0: Okay, time to go. Good evening to everybody. It's great to see you. If you are normally in the annex class and you saw that there were a whole bunch of college kids in there and now you feel like you're in the twilight zone or something, then you must have missed Sunday night Bible class over there because we discussed where your next location is going to be. We've had such a swell in that class that we had to actually leave college building and take advantage of the space in the Annex. So the class that has been meeting in the Annex is temporarily going to be meeting over in the TAC. You say, well, wait a minute, I thought the teenagers were meeting in the TAC. They are. There are a couple of large rooms over there with partition between them, and you will be in the one that has the pool tables in it. Yay, what an advantage. We play pool, have Bible study. Won't well, that be great. I don't know how the teacher's doing it over there, but I don't know. You know, if you're displaced, that's where your class is meeting, and you still have a few minutes to get over there if you need to. Otherwise, this class is studying the book of Acts, and I'm going to begin looking with you at this list of people who are sick, and we're going to be praying for them. Irene Baker has terminal cancer. That's Melinda Hester's mother. Martha Eaton has been recovering well with her foot. She had a doctor's appointment today. The boot is off. Okay, so, all right. So there's a, uh, she's out of the boot in a brace, but there's still a fear for infection. So they're just going to, Watch that carefully. She's on my antibiotic. But still,
1: that sounds good.
0: Austin Wentz has been undergoing really tough treatments, a treatment every day. He had a tough week last week, so we'll remember him in our prayers. Terry Green is hopefully going to be having his surgery very soon after the doctor gets back from his vacation. You ever had that happen? Yep. I've heard it too many times. Nevertheless. This surgery will hopefully be the end of his treatments, sure us. Ann Stevens is not well. Don Dawson's not well. Tim Fowler is to have surgery on her foot in the middle of September, which you know what? September starts tomorrow. Isn't that what in the world? What is happening? Years flying by. Uh, Connie Mooney is recovering from hip replacement surgery, uh, doing therapy. Sue James has cancer. Quitman Wigginton is at Landmark. He's at the assisted living. If you want to go visit, I'm sure he would really love that. Uh, Dale's Uncle Wade's still missing. It's been 70 days. So please remember that family, especially foreclosure. Carolyn Wilcutt. I'm hoping to be able to go home soon. I know some of the guys went over and actually made a ramp for her to, her to her house. So hope that she makes a good transition. Katherine Floyd is home now, uh, has some home health. Norma, we just want to pray for her. She's doing some better, but she has uh, several health problems. Melinda Hester is recovering from her shoulder surgery which was pretty extensive. Turns out she also had a foot injury. She's in a boot and she's sick. Got some kind of illness, causes nausea. So she's not feeling very well right now. Marianne Holly recovering from her brain tumor surgery. Charlotte Moore's grandson, Baylor, recovering from the four-wheeler accident. He doing well? That's great. Uh, Bobby Petty's, Joe Garrett's friend, has lung cancer. Stephen Shapley is a preacher at Beans Ferry. He's been undergoing some testing. Larry Smith's brother-in-law, Eric Fitzsimmons, has severely blocked arteries, and they're trying to treat it with medication. And Edward is suffering with kidney stones. Uh, Randy Beatty, who's Sheila's husband's, recovering from open-heart surgery he had earlier. Uh, Frankie Sarton, we've been praying for her, but she passed away uh, before midnight on Sunday. A visitation is going on right now until 8 p.m. tonight, and then there will be from noon until two, a visitation period over at the Boonville Funeral Home, and then at two, there will be the funeral. So if you can attend that, uh, that'd that'd be great. Coley Floyd had shoulder surgery yesterday. So let's remember him, young man, in our prayer. Anybody else? We had an acquaintance by the name of Robert Hayes. He owned Hayes Berry farm in Wilmers. Uh, he was pushing his wife in a wheelchair through the Walmart parking lot and got run right over by the car. And he's, he's just finishing up some therapy. Why he would he to want that? Him. Because God hears our prayers. Yes? Yes. Great. So we will pray for Robert Hayes. Diane? Diane? Sue's got a lot of different kinds of infections that she's dealing with right now. Just doesn't feel well. You think that stops her from the various works that she's doing? No. No. OK, and yes,
2: Rick? she had a throat but she didn't have COVID
1: the
0: okay I see some of you that have been out your back and we're glad for that you've probably been on this list uh, at one point or the other so we're glad to we're glad to have you back Okay, we're gonna sing a song together and then have our prayer and begin our study. Number five, five, seven, Yes. We all remember old people in Jackson, Mississippi. They had a lot of problems. Yeah, the flooding and lack of water. they got it, and
1: this on the back of it. And so on the the water was being run
0: this is the United States yes yeah
1: Yeah.
0: seems impossible but things happen right infrastructure is very important all right 557 don't you like the sentiment rise up yes Now, you can sit in your seat while we're rising up, okay? (laughs) You be like that little kid. The teacher said, Johnny, sit down. So Johnny sat down, and she looked at him because he looked like he was calculating something. She said, what are you doing, Johnny? He said, well, I might be sitting in my chair right now, but in my brain, I'm running around this room. (laughs) That's what we're doing, right? Yeah, Johnny gets blamed for a lot of stuff. (laughs)
1: Rise up, O King
0: Father in heaven, thank you for a great day today and for so many wonderful blessings. Thank you for this blessing to assemble here and to spend time with one another in fellowship, to see how one another's week is going, and to study from a portion of your word. We pray all these things are just going to build us up and motivate us to do what we sang about, to rise up. We pray for these people who are sick and some of them have been sick a long time. So Lord, we're really concerned about them and we're we're just praying that they'll recover and do well with their treatments. Bless Irene Baker, that she'll have good days with her family, good quality days. We pray for Martha Eaton in her recovery and we pray that the news she's gotten is just an indicator that she's making progress. Bless Austin Wentz and strengthen his young body as he's going through just a very difficult series of treatments. And be with Terry Green as he's preparing for his surgery that he's waited for for a long time. We pray it's a success. Bless Ann Stevens and Don Dawson, both of which who just aren't doing well. They're sick. Bless Kim Fowler in anticipation of her surgery and pray that she'll not be discouraged, but Look forward to this surgery as it can be the means of promoting healing for her. Pray for Connie Mooney and her treatment, for Sue James and her battle with cancer. Bless Quitman while he's at Landmark. Pray for the Davis family that just some kind of news will bring some closure for this family. Pray for Carolyn Wilcutt and her recovery, Catherine Floyd and hers, and we're glad she's able to get home. Bless Norma that she'll have good days. Bless Melinda Hester that she can recover from all these injuries and sickness now that she's dealing with. We pray for Marianne Holly in recovery from the brain surgery. Please be with uh, Baylor as he's recovering from his injuries. Pray for Bobby Petty and his battle with lung cancer. For Stephen Shapley and his health issues. We pray for Eric Fitzsimmons, that his body will respond to the treatments he's getting and that the blockages maybe can be reduced. And we pray for Edward, that's suffering with a kidney stone. Please be with Randy Beatty as he recovers from his open heart surgery, and we we pray it's a a total success. We pray for the Sarton family, and we just pray for their, their comfort and we thank you for the good life that she lived. We pray for Coley Floyd in his recovery from shoulder surgery. We pray he'll have good use of his shoulder again. Bless Robert Hayes as he recovers from his injuries, Uh, very serious and it seems like there'll be several stages to his recovery so we just pray he can bear up under all that and have good results. We pray for our sister Sue who's such a blessing and hard worker here, and we pray that she'll feel better soon. And these maladies that she's been dealing with, pray that she can overcome that. It'll be a thing of the past. Pray pray for uh, Flora Warner, who's also not feeling well and has contracted something, but we pray she can overcome that and get back to her normal self. A lot of people are sick, Lord, with either COVID or something like it, and just know that it's it's widespread and protect us from being infected or if we are, we pray the symptoms will be light. And just like Jerry said, Lord, we're concerned as much as we can be about the residents of Jackson and what they're experiencing. And we just pray, Lord, that something can be done to help Remedy the situation to get people good clean drinking water and uh, get their get their lives back to normal but uh, when we hear things like that we are certainly counting our blessings and thankful to you that uh, We have the things we have Help us never take any of that for granted among among those blessings is this time so help us to help us to be wise in our understanding and help us to see the pictures that you paint for us in the scriptures, be able to practically put ourselves in the situation and to have a good understanding of what we read. And not only that, as we've said many times, help us also to be the vehicle, the vessel by which these things can be shared to other people that we know. Thank you for the blessings all all of this that we have petitioned you about. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to begin tonight at verse 16. Now, we're getting into a lot of references, and I'll go ahead and, and give you some references of things that we're going to run across. Immediately, we're going to be looking at a quotation that is taken out of the book of Joel, chapter 2, verses 28 to 32. Uh, you know anything about the book of Joel? Joel? Okay, you probably do, you just don't want to answer. (laughs) But Joel, generally speaking, is one of those prophetic writings that does, it looks at two things. It looks at an immediate concern, and that was, you know, it uses the imagery of the locust coming and devouring everything. What's great about that is oftentimes the prophets have two things. One is a reference to something that was contemporary with the people that they can relate to and say, yeah, I got it. But then also that predates or anticipates something that is like that, that is about to come. And what we learn here in this text is that the event that is about to take place here in Acts chapter two We're right in the middle of it. That actually is what Joel was looking to. And he makes the dramatic statement that, hey, what's happening right now? (laughs) You're, You're living it. This is the thing. This is exactly what he was talking about. It had two fulfillments, one contemporary and one that was looking forward. And here we are right in the midst of that. There are also going to be two quotations from David that are significant related to the Christ that we're, we're going to run into. One of those is from Psalm 16, verses 8 to 11, and they're quoted in the text. And the other one is a pretty familiar one. In fact, it's also used over in the book of Hebrews, and that's Psalm 110, and verse 1. So those are some things just to be looking for, and I'll, I'll point them out to you as we get there. Sometimes... Sometimes the historical record's helpful in understanding a thing. And sometimes, like I I pointed out on another occasion, sometimes the Holy Spirit lifts out a section of Scripture that seemed to be one thing originally, but now is applied in a totally different way. Now, you and I, we can't do that, because if we do that, we'll be heretics. (laughs) We'll be false teachers. But the Holy Spirit said those things. And did the Holy Spirit know what he was talking about or not? (laughs) Of of course. So we take the scripture's word for it. Uh, Okay, so this is what was spoken, he says, of by the prophet Joel. And then here's our quotation from Joel chapter 2. So what has happened up until this point? What we covered last week, beginning at verse 1. What has arrived? The Holy Spirit has come, okay? And... There is such a dramatic entrance that what happens? Not just the 12 are influenced, but what? Oh, man, it is such a, no. this, this huge gathering, right? So God is orchestrating this entire event. And given that this is one of, the, one of the three primary feast days in which all of the Jews have come together, this is going to be the moment The moment in which Israel is going to receive the preaching of the gospel. And get this, you know, we get accustomed to maybe hearing this message a lot. They're hearing it for the very first time. And God pulls out all the stops. So he says, let me tell you something. This is is an event that had been anticipated. So here's what Joel has to say about it. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God that I will pour out of my flesh, or out of my spirit on all flesh. Uh, Some people have made a big deal about that particular phraseology. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit in a moment, whether there's an indwelling or not an indwelling, which is an interesting debate that people get into. And they would look at this particular phrasing right here. When God was pouring the spirit out, literally he was pouring out of my spirit, as though the spirit is injecting something from to. Okay? I will pour out of my flesh, or out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants, on my maid servants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. You say different phraseology, yes, but in the original language, no. I'll pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You ever heard any phrasing like that? You ever study the book of Daniel? Just... You know, humor me, just go like this. And I'll go, okay, great, you did. Uh, Daniel has a lot of imagery like that. Um, You go to the book of Revelation, guess what? It's got a lot of imagery like that. Actually, if you will go to the depictions of the destruction of Jerusalem, covered in Matthew, Mark and Luke, guess what kind of language you find? Very same kind of language. This is describing events that are doing what to the status quo. Kind of like the accusation that is made that these are they which are turning the, what? World upside down. These are people that are changing everything that we know and we feel uncomfortable about it. So what we want to do is stone them to death, <laughs> okay? That's how we will resolve this issue. We will throw them in prison. We will stone them. We want this to stop. But this was God's intention, yes? Because things are about to change. When 70 A.D. came, do you know what happened then? Okay, the temple was destroyed. For all intents and purposes, Judaism as a religion ended in 70 A.D. God gave Israel an opportunity to do what? Repent, obey the gospel. He's pulled out all the stops. He gave them, from this point until 70 A.D., gave them 40 years. You ever heard that amount of time before? Yeah, they left Egyptian bondage. And what happened to them? They wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. What was supposed to happen during that period of time? They were supposed to transition from a faithless kind of people that were ready to go back to Egypt, didn't want to take the promised land. They went from unfaithfulness, to a people of great faithfulness. In fact, I, I kind of find it amazing, even though we have that incident when they go into the land of promise and they go against the city of Jericho and they defeat it. The next thing is they go against Ai. They are defeated, but it's only because of, listen now, of one person's sin, one person. It's not like there was an outbreak so for the most part, what were these people? They had transitioned, right? And the same thing, the same intention was going to be for Israel. However, if it, however the gospel was intended not just for the Jews. Who else was it for? It's for the Gentiles as well. We'll, we'll see the gospel not just initiated here, but also going to be initiated among the Gentiles. All of these things are happening, he says, in the last days. When are the last days? Okay, um, here we are, right? There was this transition. Now there is also the idea that the last days were the last days of Judaism, which then effectively would have ended when 70 AD. After which what? We just have the we just have the church, yes? Up until that point, what were people able to do because apostles still lived among them? Well, let's see. Your your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. He describes events that seem fanciful. However, the book of Acts is full of what? These things happening, right? Which are a direct fulfillment of what? Joel chapter... Joel chapter 2, because he said what? This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. This, not something otherwise. This is it, he says. So that's a big deal. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs. That sounds like Hebrews 2, 1 to 4, doesn't it? Where God testifies about Jesus but he has been attested by God by these things that you saw, which God did through him in your midst as you yourselves also know. Wait, stop right there. Okay, so there was the Passover. What happened on the Passover? Jesus was nailed to the cross, okay? Who saw that? Probably these very people because remember I mentioned to you it's only 50 days If you live though in a far reach of the world as a Jew, what would it be better for you to do? Just hang tight in Jerusalem, right? Because after all, we're all family, aren't we? Isn't that the beautiful thing about the tribe system? We're all family. And so we'll find a place for everybody. In fact, we're accustomed to doing this, right? We have three of these things happen every single year. Year after year after year as far as anybody can and we'll take care of one another. So they have come, they have stayed. This crowd is fully aware of what happened 50 days ago. So he was attested to you. He was in your midst as you, you know that. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, stop right there. Was this according to the plan of God? From the very beginning, Ephesians chapter one, nails that picture. This happened before the foundation of the world, the plan of all of this. So the plan was in place. Oh, question, who actually with a callous heart
1: carried through on the plan? (laughs) Well,
0: God, it was God's plan, but you, you people right now in the audience, you within the, the sound of my voice, you're the ones that are taken with lawless hands and crucified and put to death who God raised up, uh oh, (laughs) right, put him to death. When you put him to death, he's supposed to do what? He's supposed to stay dead. Uh, The crowd cried out three different times, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Did they want him dead? Absolutely they did. But he didn't stay dead. You crucified him, you put him to death. But God, the very one who demonstrated, attested to you that he was his son by these miracles, wonders, and signs, that very same God is the one when you killed him. He raised him up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by death. What was going to stop the church from coming into existence by the way? Not even what? Not even the gates of literally Hades which is the gates of Death was death going to stop? We killed Jesus, therefore we stopped His plan. Is that what happened? No, because all of this was according to God's plan. Hey, by the way, not just this, but anything? Can you stop God's plan? No. You make a sign; you're not going to be a part of the plan. But no, what will God do? He'll just use somebody else. If you fail, God, God is going to see His purposes carried through. So. You, you were crazy if you thought you'd be killing him, he would stay dead. David says concerning him, I foresaw the look. Okay, this is your text from Psalm 16, 8 to 11. And he's going to establish the fact that, you know what? I know you're standing there or sitting there however whatever your posture is. You're you're kind of wondering, seriously? Is it really alive? Is, is, that, is that possible? Well, David spoke about that, he said I saw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore, I heart rejoice, my tongue was glad, heart and my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in peace, nor will you allow your Holy One to seek corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Wait a second. Seems to me now that this is interesting, and I love this because... Like if you were were trying to debate one of the religious leaders of the time, you
1: might tap
0: some of those old prophets or something. You'd really go deep, maybe. If you want to talk to the masses, you use the scriptures that they know. Yes? You want them familiar with it, you'll use them. Did Israel know about the Psalms? What were the Psalms used for? It was the songbook of Israel. Those folks sang these things continually. Have you ever, you've probably been in one of those Bible studies or studies where you took some of the songs and you went verse by verse and really got to understand it. When you did that, you probably came away and said, I sang, i sung that song a hundred times and I never knew that this is what I was singing about. Boom, right? Oh, by the way, you know that Psalm 16 that we all love so much? Here's what that was about. It was a prophecy concerning the fact that the Son of God was going to be crucified, but he wasn't going to stay in the grave. That's what I'm telling you has happened. This was the Son of God he was attested to. That's what all those miracles were about. And now that he is raised up, uh
1: uh-oh because
0: you had taken him with your lawless hands, had crucified him and put him to death. Men and brethren, just let me speak freely to you about Patriarch David. You think that he was singing? You think we sing about David? No, because you can go to his tomb right now and what? You could see his bones, or at least the dust from his bones. Let me speak freely about that. He is both dead and buried. His tomb is with us to this day. So let wasn't talking about himself. But being a prophet and knowing that God is with to know to him that of the fruit of the fruit of his body that is a descendant according to flesh he would raise up the Christ sit on his throne he foreseen this spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ the very one you put to death that his soul is not left in Hades nor does his place seek corruption this Jesus God's raised up which we are all witnesses we all do. All my cohorts right here. We are the witnesses. We saw this. We are testifying this to you. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received the Father, the promise, and the Holy Spirit, He poured out this which you now see and hear. What you are experiencing right now is made possible because Jesus did rise from the dead. You see? When we were there, we were listening to all of these lessons that he was teaching us, there was a section of time, right before he was crucified, where he was telling us that if he ascended to the Father, then he would send the Holy Spirit to come. I'm telling you folks that this experience that you are in the midst of right now was prophesied by Joel. Even David prophesied about it, not himself, but about the Son of God. And now everything, even the coming of the Holy Spirit, is all according to the determined purpose and the foreknowledge of God. God's poured all this out. And you are the ones. <laughs> Can you imagine? As you're standing there, you already have been pinpointed as the guilty one. And now you're seeing that whoa, wait a minute. We had no idea. And now we are guilty. I'm beginning to see this. I, I'm guilty of, of killing the very one that had been processed. I've been singing these songs all along. I should have known better. You know,
2: the
1: panic starts set again. David did not ascend to the heavens. Okay, this is the second quotation from the psalm, Psalm 110
0: verse 1. <coughs> David did not ascend to the heavens, but, he, but he says to himself, the Lord said to my Lord. Uh, David's the king. Who's the Lord of the King? Who's the King of the King? Generally speaking, you would say nobody, right? The King's the top, nobody's his boss man. And yet it just makes you want to scratch your head. What was he talking about here? The Lord, the Yahweh, said to my Lord, the one who is above me, wait a minute, out me, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. I'm sure that over time, people were just like, he just must be waxing poetic. I don't really understand what he's talking about. Well, guess what Peter and the other apostles are about to disclose right now? He wasn't talking about himself. He was talking about, oh, you remember that one that you took with your lawless hands, crucified trying to put to death? It's talking about him. Let there let, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuring. If you know something assuredly, how well do you know it? We did it. I do not want you to miss this, Peter says. Get this. If you haven't grasped all of this yet, get this. Let all the house of Israel know assuredly from the standpoint of all that prophecy from the standpoint of David and the Psalms, from the standpoint of what you're witnessing here today with the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, these amazing things, not only were they amazing when Jesus lived here as God was testifying to you that it was His Son, you ignored that. But now you gathered together because of this ruckus. You are amazed at hearing your own language out of these Galileans. But I'm telling you, you better pay attention now because... All of the house of Israel needs to know assuredly, don't miss it, that God has made this Jesus who, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Okay, question. Who is the Lord he was talking about if there's no king over the king? This one. This is who David was talking about. And you did what? You Crucified him, is not what that says. Oops. You crucified him, both Lord and Christ. Okay, that's exciting stuff. Now, when they heard this, what happened to them? They're cut to the heart, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, "Why, why were they speaking to the other apostles?" Yeah, I'm thinking, and I don't know how that worked, if one uh, of one, each of the twelve had a language that they spoke, or each one of the twelve spoke in such a way that everybody could get it. I don't know how that worked, but you get the idea that Peter is the general spokesman. And then, I, I, I'll share this with you, it is thought that here in Jerusalem right now, just because the feast-gathering, there were anywhere from 600,000 to 2 million people crammed around everywhere so that's a lot of folks right and either peter standing kind of in the middle as you get the idea i know this happened in ezra's time where ezra stood on the platform and then they had other teachers way out in the crowd they would hear what ezra says and then they would speak it to everybody else and maybe moses did it yes
2: Okay, yes. Yeah, whatever you bind on earth, be
0: bound in heaven, loose on earth, loose in heaven. He's the kingdom. Okay, so here's the pronouncement. You're guilty. You crucified him. Why are they cut to the heart? Were they listening? Yes. And what have they concluded on the basis of this evidence? I'm guilty. I, yeah, I did it. I was here and... I, wow, I didn't put all that together. Now I've got it together. I might have been ignorant then. I'm not ignorant now. The presentation of the gospel in this moment, what do you think? They're like, whoo, oh no. Cut to the heart. It struck them. I'm, I'm so wrong. I'm guilty. What are we going to do?
1: <laughs>
0: well, here's what you do. Now, by the way, Here's what you do anytime you are guilty. Uh, let's back up for a minute. What is it that put Jesus on that cross? It starts with an S and ends with an N. It has an I in the middle. Oh, I, uh, Sin put Jesus on that cross. So, if, if Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, and I'm guilty of sin then what is it that that lamb can do he can take away my sin right but also understand this he's the one that went to the cross because of my sin so who put Jesus on that cross well yeah the the Jews did but I, I, I did I did all of us did but let's just get real right here you ever commit a sin if you ever committed a sin it was that sin that put Jesus on the cross. If you Here's something that is, to me, this is as shocking of a thing as what they would have heard on that day. So I'm just going to lay it out here. If you are a child of God, a Christian, who has taken advantage of the blood of Jesus, but you are in the habit of continual sin, you know what you are doing to Jesus? You're crucifying Him all over again. And here is Peter saying, you are guilty. You have crucified him. How ought we feel when we come to the realization that we're guilty? We ought to have a conscience that is touched. So what do I do? And Peter said, repent. That's the first thing. What does it mean to repent? Okay, you're going to change your ways, but sometimes people change their ways, but it's not God's way, right? I've been going in this way, it's not the right way. I'll just go a different way. That's not exactly it, is it? So yeah, I'm going to change my ways, but what way am I going to go now? I'm going to go the Lord's way. So I'm committing myself in this change to serving the Lord. It is driven by godly sorrow. Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10. Godly sorrow is what drives me to have this cut in my heart. I can't believe I did this to God. I'm guilty. He told them to repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. How are your sins remitted? Repentance and baptism. How do I know that? It's right here in the scripture, isn't it? Isn't that simple? What do we need to do? He says, says, oh, let me think. I oh, don't know. No, repent and be baptized. Baptism, unfortunate translation here, they actually made up a word. The baptism is not originally an English word. It's a Greek word that was transliterated for us. It was made into an English word. The word baptizo literally means to dip, plunge, or to submerge. It doesn't mean to sprinkle or to pour water on it. It's a a word that has a meaning. So to be baptized meant to be immersed. We find out in Romans chapter 6, that's a burial, right? You killed Jesus, what needs to happen to you? Well, you want to be forgiven of that, you need need to go in that grave with him. Might as well just go on that cross with him, spiritually. So they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ from the midst of their sins. He says, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children, those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God Will call. Well, we're being inundated. We will pick up right here at verse 38. Now, we're also going to use this as a transition. I told you that there are nine instances of the gospel being preached and conversions as a result. This will be number one in that series. So, this all, these first two chapters, were a segue into what we're going to learn here, beginning at verse 38. All right, thanks for your attention
1: i ah.
2: begin by saying thank you for being here tonight and I hope that uh, you benefited by your Bible study. It's To me, it's so encouraging to come on Wednesday night to be with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, study God's Word, and just leave and be encouraged and recharged for the rest of the week. And if you're visiting with us tonight, you are our guest and we are indeed honored that you're here and we hope that you'll hang around just for a few minutes and give us a chance to let you know how much we appreciate you. I uh, hope tonight you'll get a bulletin. Uh, you'll find an update there on the sick. And of course, we want to extend our deepest sympathy to uh, Margaret Ann Sanders and the death of her sister-in-law, Frankie Sarton. Uh, of course, Frankie's a former member here at the Boonville congregation. Visitation is this evening from five until eight. And the, the visitation also is going to be tomorrow from 12 until 2 at the Boonville Funeral Home uh, with the service to follow at 2. So please remember that, family, in your prayers. Also, Panama Missions Operation Christmas Joy Bags need to be turned in by Wednesday, September the 14th. Ladies and gentlemen, please remember that. Also, there's going to be a men's breakfast slash devotional on Sunday morning, September the 11th. In the annex, the plans are for us to eat at 8.30 and share in food and fellowship. And men, uh, if you want to be a part of that or uh, would like to help, please sign the list in the foyer. Uh, Aaron Foster or Jody Long uh, will have more information about that. There's also a bridal shower table in honor of Katie Demio and Justin Keaton. It's in the foyer, and they're registered at Amazon and Corner Gifts. I don't know if you really read your bulletin tonight or uh, when you get it on Wednesday night, but I hope you'll take special note of the information there about what's called Polishing the Pulpit, PTP 365. Our elders have arranged it for us to have access to all the lessons that have been presented not only this year, but in years past in Polishing the Pulpit. There are literally thousands of lessons by hundreds of different speakers on a variety of topics, some topics maybe you've never even thought about, and it's just an outstanding resource for members of the Lord's Church. It's an opportunity for each individual member to be edified and encouraged, and so I hope you'll take advantage of this and register for it. Maybe you want to listen to it on the way to work, or maybe you're at home, or outside somewhere mowing the yard if you've got some earphones whatever is good for you this is just a good opportunity for uh the brethren here that has been made possible by our elders so please take advantage of that i hope you'll come back sunday Uh, we'll have worship together at 9 30 and then of course we'll have our uh, bible classes at five o'clock we'd love to see you then for our uh, devotional tonight but the ken is going to be leading our singing And Gibson Foster will dismiss us in prayer.
0: Go ahead and mark in your psalm book number 650. 650, send the light. And after you mark that, turn to 851. Eight five one. 5 Some when the sun
2: to get us to think about something very seriously, I want to talk about some ironies regarding the blood of Jesus Christ. The first one is, the blood that cost him his life means life for me. The blood that bought him pain and shedding that blood brings eternal peace for us. The blood loss that surely caused him sickness and maybe fever heals my sin-sick soul. The blood that was lost to him is gained to me. The blood that was hard to see on that day is a beautiful sight for my eye of faith today. The blood that was shed in wrath by man reconciles man to God. The blood that poured out from his wounds binds up my wounded soul. The blood that was shed to his shame brings me the highest possible place of honor. The blood that came from an unblemished perfect sacrifice is essential to cover my blemishes and imperfections. The blood from the Son of God makes me a child of God. Blood and water came from Jesus at his death, but I contact his blood through the waters of baptism, Romans 6 and verse 4. Now the Bible says in Ephesians 1 and verse 7, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So tonight as we sing this song of encouragement, I, I hope you'll think about the blood of Jesus and what that blood means to your life and how it blesses your life in so many ways. It may be tonight that there's one here or more who has never been washed in the blood of the Lamb and you are still stained by sin. Tonight if you'll come and Obey the gospel in simple, trusting faith, repenting of your sins. You can be immersed in water tonight for the forgiveness of sins as you contact the blood of Jesus. And so tonight, the invitation is yours. If you need to respond, we ask that you come now while we stand and sing. There's
1: a talk of the
2: Dear most loving and gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for letting us come here today to study your word, Father. Thank you for everything that you've done for us. Thank you for uh, letting us live in this great country to worship you without fear of persecution, Father. Thank you for letting us have this great church family that we do have, Father. And most importantly, thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for the mission of our sins, since we know he is the only way we can get to heaven is through him. We love you so much, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.